2: Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring. The flooring experts. michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX.
3: All right. The Cuomo scandal. So many of them to try to count. However, there's a new one that is being reported with the New York Post. I wanted to get to that. Welcome back. You know, if you want to join into the show, you can. That 314-436-7900. We see some text messages that were from about 20 minutes ago. So it's been a little while. If you are someone that wants to call in, you can. And you can actually call anywhere from the U.S. You don't have to be right there in St. Louis. Maybe you're listening to us on the FM right now, driving around. That is cool, too. You can call 800-925-1120. So I wanted to uh, bring this up real quick because the New York Post headline, Cuomo admin kept COVID tests from nursing homes as the governor's kin got them. Ooh, boy, not looking good. So we know the scandal that is going on with this nursing homes in New York. And we know that Andrew Cuomo uh, looks like the numbers may have been uh, manipulated. And when it comes to the reporting, what else was done? And on top of that, the decision to put sick patients back into a vulnerable population like a nursing home, terrible decision, one of which they defended over and over again, including his brother, Chris Cuomo on CNN, continued to defend his brother over and over and over again, when now this is all being uh, brought out. And to me, it's common sense. If you have someone like an uh, ill-born, someone that has a virus that's airborne and it's easily transmittable and you have All of these different vulnerable people around you, maybe putting them right back into the middle of it was a terrible idea. And who would have thought? Oh, yeah, pretty much everyone would have thought. She said, this is bad news. Now, how many people made decisions based on what Andrew Cuomo did in CNN? How many other governors or different health officials looked at that and said, oh, I guess that's the gold standard. As Joe Biden said, the gold standard, this Andrew Cuomo. Well, what a terrible thing. Now, uh, not only that, but this is on top of all of the different sexual assault allegations that came out, sexual harassment allegations that came out. You know, more and more women continue to come out, some that are current employees, some that were former employees, and real weird and nasty and gross stuff. So that wasn't enough. Then we find out that he was prioritizing testing for his family members. And one of the latest reports now is that he was actually diverting testing from nursing homes in order to give special treatment to his family, including his brother, is what we're talking about. Brother that doesn't live in the house with him. This is his brother, Chris Cuomo, who calls himself a uh, journalist over on CNN. Not good. And this puts him right into the middle of this because he's already got a hot head. Chris Cuomo does. He was already caught breaking quarantine on video. He gets in like these verbal altercations with people all over the place. And when he called out on his own show, flat out lied about his connections and his ability to try to stay impartial with all of this. I remember one with Ted Cruz came right on. He kept, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Well, it turns out to be all true. And on top of that, now we won't talk about this because, well, it's his brother. And as any journalist would know, when it, comes to something sensitive that you're involved in. <laughs> you're allowed to talk about everything else except that. Oh, wait, no, no, no. That's not how it works. As a journalist, you don't state, you don't become involved with the news, do you? Hmm, maybe that goes to show you he is not a journalist, not someone that's easily reported the numbers. So it's pretty bad. Um, all things considered, real bad for Andrew Cuomo right now in New York City. I don't know why he's still in office. He definitely uh, should be be out of there. And I think a lot of people want him out of there. I think people in New York want him out of there. I think in California, they want to get their governor out of there too. Newsom, they don't like him either. These states that just had, I mean, so much of a burden when they just went completely overboard with the restrictions of COVID. And so many people living there were just yelling and screaming and saying, you're going to kill our business. You're going to kill us. This is bad. And they ignored that. Um, now they're out there begging the government, please, please, please pass another stimulus for us. Give us lots of money because they made all of these poor decisions and they brought it upon themselves. When other states that were a lot more responsible did everything they could to try to keep things open, it was mostly the local districts, uh, Sam Page, for example, that overdid it with the overburdens. But otherwise, you see some of these states that have really actually done pretty well. Florida is a great example of that, too. Uh, So let me point out, Missouri did a good job, too. Uh, Governor Parson did not decide to do a statewide mask mandate. However, there were some individual areas that decided to ramp it up. And as it turns out, maybe it wasn't necessary. So this is good. Uh, I got to say, 314-436-7900 is the number if you want to call in. Our friends in Canada we're going to be hooking up with in about uh, 20 minutes from now. Really looking forward to that. And I want to bring this one story up. Uh, Dr. Fauci warns parents about children playing together. Oh, this will be fun. Uh, I know. Uh, We're really, really looking for more advice right about now. So let's take some right after the break. And like I said, our friends in Canada later this hour, too. It's Overnight America. KMOX.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Instacart
1: knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: the voice of St. Louis, anytime, anywhere. Favorite KMOX on the Radio.com app.
3: We're going to talk to our friends in Canada 14 minutes from now. So excited for that, really. Uh, I wanted to bring a few things up. Which one do we do first? Um, Okay. Dr. Fauci warns parents about children playing together without masks. Oh, isn't it great? I keep thinking about taking my kid to the park or some of these other activities that go on outdoors right now. And as Dr. Fauci was on Face the Nation, apparently was asked about the risk of kids playing in groups and said that when the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks when they're interacting with groups or multiple households. Uh, But when asked, it's because this is a big thing, you know, because there's a lot of people watching this and they're saying, I live and die by everything Dr. Fauci says. When asked about whether kids can return to camp or playgrounds this summer, Fauci said it was conceivable this will be possible. So great that he was able to give a real answer to something like that. So what does it mean? The, the science isn't there? Are you only answering in the sake of what is scientifically written down inside of a journal? Or are you just really wanting to be careful with the things you're saying? What is going down with that? So it makes you wonder. When it comes to your kids playing with other kids, are you going to look at that and say, all right, little Johnny, make sure you wear your mask next time you're at the playground. How about this? One other thing. I saw this over on Fox News. Biden to push another coronavirus recovery bill on top of the $1.9 trillion package. Biden isn't expected to uh, detail the infrastructure package on Wednesday. Oh, isn't that wonderful? So this is where we are. And I think that Pete Buttigieg's Now, part of the transportation department, meaning he's already come out and said this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, a.k.a. we're able to jam anything we possibly can down the throat with 50 votes. So keep in mind, we're going to keep you in check, Joe Manchin. And what's going to happen is that they're going to try to get as much as they can possibly get out of Joe Biden while he's still in office, because who knows how long that lasts. Joe Biden will apparently have more to say in April about the coronavirus recovery plan. And when you hear that, oh, April, that's next month. Well, no, actually, April is just a few days away. April 1st is on Thursday. And we come up to this weekend, this next weekend, I should say, will be the first weekend. And um, it'll be the first weekend. Isn't that something else? Um, Now that we're past Monday, I kept looking at that. I'm like, today's not the 29th already. And it is. It's Monday, the 29th, because we're past midnight. Messing up my calendar. It's uh, messing with my mind this late. When April comes around and they start to talk about these things, do we really need another coronavirus package? Because what happened? We passed this $1.9 trillion and we weren't even done spending the last billions and billions of dollars that were pushed the last time around in December. And now we're already talking about spending more money on top of that. And when it comes to infrastructure, how is this even going to be possible? Honestly, are we just going to say, well, forget it. I mean, we're already so far and deep into the woods, we might as well just keep going. You ever find someone that has become so bad with their money, so terrible at managing their money, that they're so far into debt, they say, "I ah, might as well, yeah, what else, what else I got to lose? I'm just going to keep spending. I'm not going. It's a lot harder to be responsible than it is to spend like drunken sailors. It really is. You can't dine and dash this time if you're planning on going in. And well, I guess in Biden's case, he might just say, "Oh, see you later. I, I can't do the job anymore. That's a dine and dash." Situation that could be possibly true, but now keep in mind a lot of what being uh, is being pushed. This is what's mainstream in the Democratic Party right now. This is what they want. This is their agenda. What kind of infrastructure things are they talking about? Now, keep in mind, this is something that Donald Trump wanted too, to a certain extent. Uh, but I think he wanted to find a way to do it responsibly. He said this is going to be a way in order to bring jobs to uh, Americans. So I guess in Joe Biden's case, he's going to try to force as many people off work as possible. He's going to try to mess up so many industries that they become unemployed. And he's going to say, this is great. I'm going to have you go and build some roads. Yeah, if you know how to build a pipeline, we can get you paving some roads or whatever, I think is what his next uh, step is because they're not allowed to use the term uh, learn to code anymore without you getting flagged online based on their other administration's uh, standpoints, the learn to code philosophy which is we may eliminate your job. We may force you out of it through more and more regulation. But good news, you can learn the code and you can get a computer job. Oh, so bad. Well, when uh, some of the different words of this is coming out, and when we try to figure out exactly what type of spending we're dealing with here, we know it's not going to be cheap. Our roads are in tough shape, and each individual state should have found ways to address that, but not every state has been all that great addressing that. Bridges are a major concern because a lot of them are aging. And the different reports we've had on bridges, we understand that some of them are well overdue, not only for maintenance, but a whole redo. That's difficult because now you're talking about, well, we need money to do that. And there's going to be high traffic bridges that are going to need it. And are you going to want to have to close down all these bridges for long periods of time? Think about how long different stretches of the interstate could get closed down. I wasn't here when 64 was shut down. Wasn't here for that. But that was a tough one because they said it's going to be like ripping off a band aid. You know you need to do it, but we're just going to have to do it. And it's going to be shut down for a while. And then everything will be hunky-dory, A-OK. You'll never have problems with it ever again because we know that's how construction works. Once you do it once, you'll never have to do it again. (laughs) Oh, no. So what other things are we going to have to follow up with? Uh, Schools. Uh, definitely there's a lot of schools that are aging uh, government buildings problems with that that are aging we know that uh, probably the bridges is going to be the most infrastructure change Uh, now with the problems that we've had when it comes to our water supply like flint for example what are we doing with the pipes are we going to have to go through and try to relay a lot of the infrastructure when it comes to water or sewers here in st louis we talk about it we can barely keep all of the water flowing when there's heavy rains for a few days in a row and we get people with sewage backed up into their basements. That's a pretty common thing or they don't like it being dumped into the rivers. So what are you going to do with that? Are are you just going to try to do everything at once? Are you just going to work on major metropolitan cities? Are you going to just, I don't know, target democratic areas because that's how you've been spending a lot of this money when it comes to local governments? Is that what the priority is going to be? I don't even know if Joe Biden knows. Uh, And all I know is that he's going to be having all all kinds of people in his ear. And when it comes to him answering questions, he probably won't to the press. And even if it gets to the point where he's taking questions from the press, most of it, it'll be him looking down at a sheet of paper, reading whatever bulletin points there are. Uh, Chris Wallace, again, I'll I'll bring it up to him because he's been actually doing pretty good as of late. And, I, you know, I don't have a problem with Chris Wallace. I really don't. But he pointed out the other day after Joe Biden gave his press conference, he said, I've never seen the leader of the free world have to look down and answer questions off of bulletin points during a press conference. That's bad. Uh, and it's noticeable. And I think even people like me who don't spend a lot of time inside of the White House or really any sort of uh, government building can pick up on these things and realize that this isn't normal. Chris Wallace says, you know, whenever I covered that, I've never seen Ronald Reagan do it once, and just watching other news conferences, at least the recorded version of it, hasn't seen them there either. Not good. Alright, our friends in Canada, we're going to hook up with them in just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a look at your weather too. It's Overnight America KMOX. <laughs> All right. On Sunday nights, we hook up with our friends in Canada. I'm always a fan when Shane Hewitt joins these airwaves. Let's take a listen. He might actually be there right now. now. You got us. Yes, Shane. How are you? Good, Ryan Wrecker. How are you? Oh, there we are. Yes, I am doing well. I had a good weekend. We had beautiful weather here in St. Louis and I got a lot of yard work oh, really? done, so I feel accomplished. Spent a lot of time with uh, the kids, so it was a good weekend. How about you?
4: Uh, It was it was a quick weekend. It felt like a really quick weekend. This is probably a good time to tell you that um, we are like under 60 mile an hour winter storm winds here at the moment. And it seems very Canadian thing to share. So I'm just kind of playing into the stereotype of your listeners uh, who are like terrible winter storm.
3: So are you getting bombarded with snow or is it just the temperatures are low with lots of wind?
4: It's not that cold. Uh, it's not a whole lot. Uh, it's not a whole lot colder than it is with where you are. Um, but it's uh, just, yeah, sixty mile an hour winds, blowing snow, rain, um, snowfall warnings everywhere. Yeah, everything. So we'll see how it goes.
3: Ah, well, it's one of those times you're glad you're working from home. I always hated driving late at night whenever there was a storm coming through. So one of the beautiful things about being able to hook up from the house is this, avoiding it.
4: Well, yeah, it's absolutely true. Although I, um, I'm a little concerned that we might—I don't have backup electricity here in the home show, so it's possible we disappear from this whole oh, no. conversation. Um, anyway, hey, I had yeah. a, I had a question for you—a news political question that I wanted to ask you, and I, I didn't give you much information in advance because I did want to sort of get, um, a, an organic answer, if you will, about some politics stuff. Are you cool with that?
3: Yeah, I love it.
4: Okay, so Huawei, do you know the company Huawei that makes phones and technology?
3: Ooh, um, yes, I'll tell you that I've only okay. seen it written on paper. I've never heard it said out loud until you said it right there.
4: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so and do you know that there are two Canadians uh, that have been kidnapped in China by the Chinese government and are being um, held and um, on basically no charges as spies? Is that in the news?
3: Ooh, no. You know, in fact, I don't think I've seen that reported at all. I, I do know that the technology maker has a complicated history, but not like that. So you're going to have to tell this story.
4: Okay, so I, this is the Coles Notes story of it. So I just, of course, invite everyone to go search this, in fact. So, um you know, you get the whole story because it's a giant story. So the story of the five eyes, which is all of the, the five Western most intel sharing countries, right, Um have basically all said, don't use Huawei technology. They're a company, but they're believed to be owned and run by the government, and uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of what happens in communist countries. And um so they said, you know, this could putting this infrastructure in could be really, really bad for backdoor. And so that's sort of been floated around, and there's has not really been a whole lot of proof. There's been a lot of what ifs, but basically every country has said no way, don't do it, except for Canada. And um, uh, Canada has been this—it's been an argument here like mad. So then there was uh, a Huawei VP of technology, something something, that got brought up on an extradition by the U S so she was boarding a plane in Vancouver. She has a house in Vancouver. She goes to the airport, goes to get on a flight. The U S requested her to be arrested and, and, uh, and extradited to America. And she's Mm. like the boss lady. And, um, the reason why is the accusation includes selling technology to Iran. So that's this, that's why Mm. they say why, well, she's in jail in Canada now. And since that happened, the Chinese government took two Canadians that uh, were in China and have claimed them to be spies and two years later have taken them to court and not told us what the results of the court case are, didn't let anybody in, all these kinds of things. President Biden has come out and said, you know, got to let go of the two Michaels and uh, and everything else. But I was just curious. It occurred to me this weekend. I was I was like, all of this is going on, and I'm curious even if you or your audience have heard any of it. So not I years. would
3: say that... Yeah. No, don't know much about that. It it does ring a bell, uh, maybe some time ago, but I can't say I know anything about that, nor had that really been on anyone's radar. I do know when it comes to the technology that became headlines, mostly because, um, just in general, we're always concerned about our cybersecurity and what could be put into things coming from that region. In fact, there was a long time when we were looking at any technology coming out of China and saying to ourselves, are they implanting something onto these boards? The, anything that could be sending over that would give them backdoor access to some of our most secure servers, government level. And people were, I mean, extremely concerned in the IT world because of this. And that kind of is the last time I've heard the company's name even brought up about concerns with that and no all of this other stuff that you're bringing up first time I've heard of it
4: Wow that's remarkable and imagine if it was two Americans that had been held in China brought up on charges and it would be all over the news here too so that's yeah. remarkable I just so find is that this so like curious. the
3: number one story right now in Canada where people are really paying attention to this?
4: I would say it has been. I mean, I wish I could say Canadians were paying more attention to it because I do feel like uh, Canadians have been complacent and, and all of those things in it. But I would say that you know, next to COVID, of course, um, you know, it's probably been the number one story of the last bunch of months. Uh, there's been an awful lot of wow. uh, assertions yeah. that the Canadian government hasn't done much. And, well, the, uh, America just had this meeting in Alaska with China, right? It didn't go very well. They kind of argued and that was about it. They're like, tap it out, agree to disagree, have a nice day. Um, and that was believed to be impactful. <laughs> you're you're in closer to.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was in Alaska. So you're closer to it than us. But I would say the thing that we're all paying attention to is this ship that's blocked, the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. That's like that one of the top stories that everyone's talking about on social media, not uh, spies or people being detained well. without a reason or anything like that, that that is uh, so that's become a, a cultural thing where people are just posting meme after meme online. And it's even yeah. in the top of <laughs> our our news where they're given updates on really? what's going on in this canal.
4: Really, yeah. There was one great conspiracy theory that went around that said you better start stocking up on toilet paper because all those ships that are waiting to get through the Suez that aren't going to get through, they're all they're all full of toilet paper. So there's going to be another toilet paper shortage.
3: Yeah, that's what they say. And, you know, they bring these things up to scare people and it works. You know, people buy toilet paper and have it ready if they didn't already have extra toilet paper. But my grandma grew up in the depression and it changed her mindset about things, possessions, reusing things, different uh, Mm -hmm. things that you could take and use them in different ways. And for the rest of her life, it didn't matter. Things got better after the depression that Happened in the, you know, 1920s and 30s in the United States. And then, you know, all the way through till the end of her life, it, it just, uh, you know, she would do things like reuse um, Ziploc bags. She would wash them out and put them on the dryer rack in order to reuse well, them. That. And it's because of that mindset, you have to reuse everything. Um, I do that all the time. This I'm is it. Cheap. I think for the rest of anyone's life now. It's all about stocking up on things where they're going to be paranoid about toilet paper and making sure they're going to be prepared for the next time a ship gets caught in the canal.
4: Well, the uh, that it's so true, though, my grandmother was the same way. I mean, my grandmother's pantry was filled with canned goods and, you know, that emergency backup supply. And even when COVID first hit and all the grocery things started going a little bit weird, I thought of my grandmother and I was like, you know what? Maybe uh, maybe old Grandma Marg had it right Um you know, have a few extra things <laughs> lying around the house. Yeah. I mean, it is it is so different to think of it yeah. that way. Um, And maybe we just take it for granted by assuming that, oh, we can just go to the grocery store and get whatever we want today. I mean, it's probably uh-huh. probably worth looking at. That's for sure. But anyway, the boat, they've, they've sort of freed the boat, yeah. kind of. They've floated the boat, if you will.
3: A little bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know much about how free this thing needs to be. But it goes to show you how reliant we are on just like one thing. It's like the Internet, for example, when there was this time where almost all the Internet went down a few years back and they realized that there was this one plug in that everyone on the Internet relied on. And then they revoked the rights of this plug in without telling anyone. And then it shut the entire Internet down for a couple of days. I don't know if you remember that. That's that's going back maybe mm-hmm. 10 years now. But it was a giant thing where we realized just very quickly how one thing jamming something up could have a International type of um, uh, implications in this ship getting stuck in the canal, which I still don't know how it got stuck. Like, how, how does it get turned sideways? I really don't know.
4: Um, well, do you know this? St- I know that your audience is more conservative in language, so I'm going to dance around this. Did you know the story of the GPS drawing that ship did in the ocean before it went in the canal? Uh,
3: Yep, so I saw the pictures of it and people were commenting (laughs) of the body parts it was um, uh, using in the GPS, sure. Which, again, how do you not notice a ship that size doing something like that?
4: (laughs) Well, but if anybody's going to get stuck in the canal, I mean, it seems to me to be like, that's the pilot or that's the uh, captain who's going to get stuck in the canal. I just, I'm assuming he's lost Uh his job. I I don't know if he gets a chance to bring it home after that.
3: And that almost sounds like, euphemism or like one of those dirty phrases i don't really know about getting a ship stuck in the canal and you know it's almost like fits right in with everything that goes on there um it's almost too perfect like it was some sort of banksy artwork that we don't
4: really know about maybe this is a Banksy. oh maybe stunt yeah maybe it's an nft there's one the first photograph of it stuck from a satellite is going to sell for 10 million dollars as a (laughs) (laughs) non fungible <laughs> transaction for a digital image i mean that's all it is is capitalism at its best
3: i think that's ridiculous no, that's i really don't theory. quite understand the value <laughs> of, of it you know people go cr- you know millions of dollars to buy the first tweet or whatever these things are this is i'll tell you what i don't understand about it it's like buying the rights to something that i don't think you'll ever be able to monetize i don't understand that um It's 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 one thing to say you own the rights to something that is valuable, but you're saying that you own the rights to something that might not be valuable. That's what I don't understand.
4: Well, there was a time I was in a shopping mall and uh, there was a, a, a cart there that was selling plots of land on Mars. And so I ended up getting one as a gift. I think it was 20 bucks and people were buying them up because they're like, well, for 20 bucks, what if it actually is a thing? And so you have, I have a deed to uh, my little plot of land on Mars. So, I mean, if your little space rover is crossing my land, man, I'm sending you a bill.
3: (laughs) You're going to have to post notice first. Uh, Of course, there's no authority there. It's like buying a star or a plot on the moon. But, you know, those guys make a ton of money selling something that they have no rights to or would have the rights to. Um, But yeah, with with those tokens and things, that's a whole different thing. I'm going to have to, bring an expert on to try to explain it yeah there's one thing i wanted to ask you real quickly when you think of st louis mm. what do you think of yeah. like what's some of the first things that come to mind
4: uh st louis i always think of the blues of course being canada because we are like super hockey crazy right um and um right. you guys had a defenseman and oh, this is a terrible time to forget his name he's one of the best skaters that's um um uh, B, 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 boom. Oh, well, when I man. think of
3: defensemen, I think Al McInnes. That's the first one I think of for the Blues. Well, that's very cow. That's very And the, the other team. one is Chris um, Pronger, another very popular
4: defender. Yeah, fair enough. I think of your arch. Okay. Um, your arch mm-hmm. thingy. Um, I know there's water there. Okay. I know that there's a bit of an identity <laughs> crisis. I know there's a bit of an identity crisis between, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Kansas. Is it? No, it's the... Um, Oh, let me think. Not Kansas. Kansas what City. I thinking. Yeah, the Kansas and the Kansas City thing. Yeah, I know so there's can- a little bit of confusion around. Can't yeah. figure out who belongs where for that one. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess that's probably weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Go.
3: Okay, so you don't think crime? Why do you ask? I'm curious. Does, so crime doesn't come into uh, a factor there?
4: No, for me it doesn't. Does it for you, Ryan? My okay, Ryan's going, so yeah, this, it does. Really, this- Really? Yeah.
3: Okay. yeah. This is why I think this, and because we have, um, there was a show that had St. Louis as the backdrop called Superstore. Basically, it's workers at a Walmart, but they called it a Cloud Nine for the TV show' sake. And you know, they stock yep. shelves, and there's drama between them, and it's a comedy on NBC. I don't know if you've ever yep. seen it before. It's it's it was it's pretty popular. Netflix it ran TV. for, yeah, it ran for several years. It just wrapped up this week, and the gig they gave the last two episodes. And I don't want to spoil much, but I'm going to do it anyway. So uh, they they come to the thing where the corporate says that, yeah, spoiler alert, but it's really not, um, that they're deciding if they're going to keep it open or not. So they're going to move to online business, the new business model. So some of the stores may be closing down. And now they don't know if their store is going to close down. That's what the last couple episodes are about. Well, what happens at the end is that they bring someone in to do like an evaluation of the store from corporate to determine if they're going to keep the building open. Well, what happens is at the end and they're, they're very worried. They want to give a good impression to this person so their store their, uh, doesn't close down and they can keep their jobs. Well, as it turns out, the time that the inspector was there, they found a duffel bag full of eight severed feet in their store. And it's not the first time they found a severed foot inside of their store. Eight (laughs) severed feet, duffel bag of feet. And they're worried because they thought if we call the police, this will make it look like a dangerous store. So, you know, let's not call the police on this. And they're trying to find a way to scheme to get rid of this duffel bag full of feet. And I thought, that's such a St. Louis (laughs) thing. Finding a duffel bag of feet at a store, a department store around the area. I don't know how they came to that conclusion, but I don't know if that would work for any other city but St. Louis.
4: Yeah, see, I would never have that perception of St. Louis. Um, you know, I, yeah, not missing feet. They're not crime either. That's interesting. Wow, <laughs> we should do that. We'll do a thing where we'll compare cities for crime, and maybe next week, let's do that. Let's put that on the on the docket. Would be when you think of uh, this, what city in Canada comes up? I'd be curious. I feel I'm seeing suspicion. Everything's going oh, to come up with that. Yeah, Calgary, Vancouver, or Toronto. But I'd be curious. Winnipeg, Ryan Recker, Winnipeg, cold, nah, Shane says big Hewitt. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, right, good. So Ryan I, Reckers, you know, the the impression the that Lewis. I get of a lot of these. Oh, <laughs> we got the delay is the, the delay is long today, which has thrown us off a little bit. So I apologize. <laughs> All right, Shane, good to hear from you. Oh, did we already cut off? Oh, I think we already cut off. So Shane Hewitt with the shift. Oh no, they cut it off. Okay. We didn't get to do the last second there, which is fine. But today we had this long delay. It's a little bit longer than usual. It seems about maybe three or four seconds, but you know, you really can't complain. All things considered it's the United States and Canada. I'm working from my basement. He's working from his home. We're connecting to our radio stations, which then connect to each other. And then the signal has to go all the way around. Like it's a giant loop and somehow it still works. To say that we have this little of a delay is pretty impressive considering the technology and how much we have these put together. In fact, we're we're pretty much a couple of Campbell's cans stuck together with a really long string is how this works. And if he were to actually quiz me on how things go in Canada, I'm going to fail that. I feel like they have a lot more knowledge of the United States than I do of Canada. So this is going to be tough. All I know is I thought the tough areas were Winnipeg. I thought that was the, that was the tough city, the one that had the most crime inside. Um, I, you know, I'm going to have to study up. Maybe I'll play my Carmen San Diego, Canada edition and learn a little bit more about some of the different places across the country to get ready for next week. Big thanks to our friend Shane Hewitt. This is Overnight America KMOX.
2: Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com on the voice of St. Louis AMOX.
3: Got a couple minutes left in the hour and it's always fun hooking up with our friends in Canada. It really is. So I wanted to bring some space news into the mix because it has been a little while since we have given space news in this one. From the Associated Press, NASA gives the all-clear Earth safe from asteroid for 100 years. Won't that give you some peace of mind at night? Because you were worried that as you were laying there, that that big asteroid would be coming your way. Well, as it turns out, NASA has given the clear. Space Agency announced this week that new telescope uh, telescope observations have ruled out any chance of this big old asteroid that's about uh, 1,100 feet long to smacking the earth, and there's the next chance is for a long time. Uh, They at first thought there was a possibility that this thing could get pretty close in 2029. They said no. Um, Nope, 2068. Nope, won't be coming close there either. Probably going to be at least 100 years. So 1,100 feet, it's pretty long, pretty big. Uh, First detected in 2004, it was now officially off the list, so they can just... (laughs) Scratch it off, and who knows what other technology we have in a hundred years. They say it'll come within twenty thousand miles in twenty twenty-nine. Twenty thousand miles. It's pretty close, all things considered. And a lot of people will be watching this. I just can't wait until this web telescope gets up there. The possibilities of what they'll be able to explore in space with this new giant telescope. But They've been talking about putting that thing up for years and it's been delayed, delayed, delayed. I just hope it eventually happens. That Hubble telescope has given us some pretty amazing pictures into space and observations into space. It's amazing too how the Hubble telescope works. I mean, it's a, you know, a big giant lens up in space and we're able to Coordinate and look at certain things. I know educators and other people, since it is government-owned, considering it's NASA, you can actually request time with the Hubble telescope. I don't exactly know if you'll be granted time, but you can request it. Like a lot of these other government agencies, you can request things. It means nothing. But maybe if you're someone in the know, I'll be able to give you time and, and what part of space to look at. But when you look so far out, you're looking at such a small small, minuscule, narrow slice of space. There's so much to explore up there. And when you get something even more powerful that could observe even more on the light wavelength that the Webb telescope can, it's going to be pretty amazing the things that they can discover with it as soon as it's operational. And NASA's TESS spacecraft, TESS, it's the Transitioning Exoplanet Survey Satellite, is doing pretty good for itself. It's revealed that the spacecraft has spotted 2200 potential planets that are within the sweet spot. So they find these smaller planets or whatever it is, Earth like doesn't necessarily mean it's habitable, but they're Earth like in the sense that, you know, it's rocky and it's far enough from the sun where it wouldn't be super burning, crazy hot. There's a chance of an atmosphere. They look at that as the sweet spot, because at least what we know from our own solar system, you have the different planets. Mercury, okay, doesn't work. Venus, way too hot, even though it has some of what of an atmosphere. And they've always theorized if you can create a floating space station on Venus up towards the clouds of Venus, that it would actually be habitable. The temperatures might be all right. But Venus, very hot. And then you have Earth. And then Mars, and we primarily look at Mars as being a lot easier because when you put a rover down on Venus, it doesn't last long. Uh, The heat there is just too much. Mars, it's a little bit different challenge, but we can at least put a rover down and explore this sort of thing. So as you can see, there's kind of a Goldilocks area. Venus, too hot. Mars, too cold. Uh, Earth, just right. Right. This is where they call it the Goldilocks uh, era. So when they're up in space with these different telescopes and they're looking around, what they do is they find a star and they find evidence of other planets that may be away from stars. And they have different methods to tell these things, even though you can't really get much in the way of detail. But when when you can photograph or use these satellites to look at different specs on the pictures, what you can do is you can analyze the area around these specs and you can also analyze what kind of colors of the spectrum of the light is coming off of these things and that could help determine what the atmosphere might be made of if it's rocky if it's not if it's gas like or whatever so if it's in the right spot with the right specifications then they look at that and say this is a potential area for us to pay attention to in space it's really remarkable so they start to narrow down what they think are the best spots for them with their limited time and resources into space exploration or whatever and we should be listening very closely to this spot or try to study it a little bit more, because what they want to do is if they're going to try to find aliens, for example, or other c- civilizations or whatever, or if they want to know if they're sending something to us or if we want to try to send a message to them or whatever it is, it's a lot easier when you kind of have a general idea of what direction to point that satellite or that telescope or whatever it is. All right, so when we come back in the next hour, we're going to be replaying a couple of interviews from earlier this week. We'll talk to Brad Young about a controversy with Kim Gardner, a circuit attorney here in St. Louis. We'll also talk to a public historian, Andrew Wanko is his name, and the History Museum is going to be bringing in a really cool recording from St. Louis dating back to the 1800s. Super cool. We'll uh, replay those coming up in the next hour on Overnight America Game OX.